We have the new product at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently, we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. Now's your chance to get the last of the Resolution Radio Blood Teens. Only a few left available before we try to do a reorder. This has been a high-selling item, and we really appreciate everyone's support in getting this shirt and showing their pride as well as showing their heritage. Nothing counts more than blood. Get yours today from Resolution Radio. Only $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. It really helps the network improve, and you really get a great product to showcase what you truly believe in. Nothing counts more than blood. Only from Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. Send check, money order, or well-concealed cash to Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. That's Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide, as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Ladies and gentlemen, we have already visited this month with incredible guests from England, Australia, Canada, Croatia, Brazil, Belgium, and Sweden. TPC's March Around the World will now end this evening with an extended stop in South Africa, the only port of call that will have two hours dedicated to its current situation and helping us sort through what that current situation is on the ground there in South Africa will be, in just a moment, Simon Roche, a spokesman for the Saitlanders organization, also filmmaker Jonas Nielsen will be with us again in the next hour. Last year during our march around the world, Jonas represented his native nation of Sweden. Uh, But uh, tonight, Jonas is in South Africa working on another project that is near and dear to his heart. So between Simon and Jonas, we are going to try to get to the bottom of uh, the South African question, at least as it stands right now here on TPC. I want to make a quick announcement before we bring Simon on that... uh, I am pleased to make mention of 
And that is the brand new book, The Honorable Cause, A Free South, is now available for purchase at Amazon.com. It was soft launched just a couple of days ago. Very excited about this project. We mentioned it last week, uh, but it is now out, published, and available for purchase. And what you have here is a book that is designed to explore topics such as what is the Southern nation? What is Southern nationalism? How can we achieve a free and independent Dixie? Twelve authors have contributed essays. I am proud to be one of them. Uh, there will be a hard launch in Greenville, South Carolina, the Greenville, South Carolina area next week, Saturday, April 1st, which coincides with our annual confederate history month series so we are wrapping up our march around the world in south africa tonight next week we will kick off confederate history month in south carolina so be sure to take a look at this book buy it and help advance the cause of a free and independent dixie available now at amazon.com and i promise you that you will hear much 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 more about this book uh, during our Confederate History Month series, which will, again, kick off next week. That being said, let's go right now to South Africa with our longtime friend and comrade and ally and brother, Simon Roche, who is a fourth-generation South African. He is affiliated with the aforementioned St. Landers organization, uh, which is devoted to the protection of non-combatant Afrikaner Boer civilians in the event of a large-scale conflict. And he is back again for the 12th time, if my count is correct, to give us the latest news. Simon, God bless you, brother. How are you doing tonight in South Africa? I'm doing well, thank you, James. We're all doing well, thank you. And thank you very much for having Saitlanders on your show yet again. We appreciate it. We, we sincerely appreciate it. The exposure is very good for us. Well, before we get into some detailed current event questions why don't we just spend the uh, couple of minutes here in this opening segment you've been on many times to promote st landers what the mission of the organization is and what you do for it but for the benefit of anybody who is tuning in for the first time which inevitably there are people who have heard you many times and people who are hearing you tonight for the first time just give us a quick reminder of the work of that fantastic organization well st landers was founded by our our leader, Mr. Gustav Miller, about 20 years ago, um, on the basis that he perceived that the trajectory of South Africa was going to end in a catastrophe. We were already beginning to see extensive misrule by the ANC, a lot of bias and a lot of prejudice, whites being shoved out of the civil service, and laws being brought in such as our famous BBBEE law, which is broad-based black economic empowerment that compelled companies to uh, to give away shares or to to sell shares to black people and to uh, remove white people from management and every level direct from director all the way down in favor of black people and so his perception was this is going to end badly and he founded an organization called Saitlanders which is devoted to safeguarding the welfare of our people in the event that this whole thing goes so horribly wrong that we find us ourselves in a kind of a civil war or equivalent type scenario. We use uh, phrases like nationwide anarchy 
Um, just to indicate that it doesn't have to end in a civil war as such, but if we reach the point that the government can't govern and people are, you know, left to maraud um, or allowed to maraud um, in such a situation, the idea is that our people would be encouraged to relinquish hearth and home, uh, to remove themselves from overwhelming threats, and to come to a safe area where we can gather in numbers and create a critical mass that is adequate to defend that declared safe zone under uh, international law, particularly, but not only, uh, Protocols 1 and 2 additional to the Geneva Conventions of 1977, uh, which make provision for identifiable ethnic groups to prepare for in advance, in a legal manner, to prepare for in advance and to execute a, a, a safety plan uh, for the welfare of their people. And it's very much akin to James in practical terms to what happened in Yugoslavia 30 years ago when Croats and Serbs and Bosnians and so on saw that their, their welfare was threatened by, by the others. And so they grouped together and they secured certain cities like it's one random example, the famous Srebrenica, where a, a minority kind of holed itself up there and kept itself safe uh, for for a year or two. That's the, that's the gist of it, I think. Um, Simon Keith Alexander here. It's, it kind of reminds me, hearing you describe this, of the doomsday clock regarding, you know, how close we are to nuclear war. Uh, what is the doomsday clock like there in South Africa regarding uh, the uh, safety and welfare of the white minority? Well, at present, it's, you know, it's a, it's a few minutes to 12 o'clock, whatever you want to make it, 10 to 5 to 3 minutes to. There's not a clear and present danger. Um, Keith, the, the, the danger is very low-key or uh, low-intensity. I am good friends with the family that owns the largest um, internet wireless service provider in the, in the province of Gauteng, which produces about 13% of the whole of Africa's GDP. So it's, it's a miniature province. It's a, roughly akin to the idea of Washington, D.C., um, but it's ex extremely productive of, you know, if you take all 54 countries in Africa, you can imagine just one province of one country generating 13% of all of that wealth. And these people who, who, you know, own this company tell me because they're monitoring all of the people who are cancelling wireless contracts or opening them, they say there is a flood of white people out of that province. That Hold on right there. Sheriff Simon Rose Richard back with Mack us right after recounts in his book The Proper Role of Law Enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books 
bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, the Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. TPC listener Steve writes, Hello, James. I look forward to hearing an update from South Africa this month. Well, Steve, you're getting it right now, and you'll be getting it in the next hour as well. And if you or anyone else tuned in wants more information about this critical organization, Saitlanders, now they spell it a little bit differently. It rolls off their tongue a little bit differently, and it's spelled a little bit differently, but the website is S-U-I-D Landers. Dot org s u i d l a n d e r s dot org it's in english you'll be able to read it clearly and simon roche of course is uh, one of their most able and capable spokesmen i know uh, he has put tens of thousands of miles touring uh, america alone hundreds of thousands around the the globe uh, he has spoken before the european parliament raising a, awareness about the plight of the white South African uh, minority, and as we have visited with Simon over here in the United States on several occasions, our honorary associate producer, Rich Hamblin, and his wife, Janice, have visited with Simon both here and in South Africa as well. Now, Rich has sent in a few questions, Simon, and you know Rich. Uh, I got to get to these. I got to get to these. And they're good questions, so it's not taking anything away from the program, but um Rich is, like so many of our listening audience, very concerned about the situation in South Africa. And so here are some of those questions. Um, a lot, you hear a lot of rumors this week, especially in the last few days, about what's going on in South Africa with regards to this attempt to shut down the country. Uh, that the, I believe it was the Economic Freedom Fighters, the EFF, led by Julius uh, Malema. Uh, what, what's going on there? Was it much to do about nothing? What were they attempting to do? And what was the unrest all about? Well, yes, in a sense it was much ado about nothing or a storm in a teacup. I mean, in some of the towns, groups of just 12, literally 12 people uh, demonstrated. But their threat was always to shut down the country, not to burn it down. And they got that right. Basically, they said, boo, and we burst into tears. 
the country was <laughs> terrified. The country was on the edge of its seat. People were double locking their doors. They didn't go to work. They didn't open their businesses. So, yeah, the, 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 um, the straw man or the tin man uh, really won the day uh, very, very sadly. So they've, they've got the country by the, the short and curlies. We're never going to be able to recover um, a, a, a strong posture. You know, they got it right to say boo, to send 12 guys into a town, and everybody scurried for cover. They now have this sort of upper hand, uh, moral upper hand, if you like, or morale upper hand, um, and it's going to be difficult to ever, ever recover. Just to complete the, I'm sorry that I ran over there, but right now the threat is crime, violence. People are fleeing the big cities and going to, to areas where the demographics are more favorable. I mean, it's just an absolute flood that these people are able to witness because of all of the contracts being being canceled. Um, but But thousands are not being killed at a time. However, we have seen, our organization has seen huge growth, James, because so many people are beginning to realize that there is an emergent threat. Year by year, the, the country continues on a trajectory that is just catastrophic. We now have over 50% unemployment, according to the full definition. Our, our uh, electricity supply company has blackouts up to 11 and a half hours a day, rolling blackouts, so everybody in the country gets a turn to have 11 and a half hours a day without electricity. You can imagine how that is shutting down businesses left, right, and center. We're being bankrupted through a lack of electricity, and our president was recently caught with $4 million undeclared. And there's, a, there's so much more that I could tell you. The story just goes on and on and on. Are we dying en masse right now? No. Is there an emergent threat of genuine nationwide anarchy in this country? Absolutely. And we would say that it is that threat is manifesting. It's becoming less of a specter and more of a physical entity all of the time. It's sort of like, Keith, uh, the majority of non-white cities in the United States. Uh, there, there's not... Um an imminent genocide that's happening that's going to happen within the next few days, but there is just a dull, constant black-on-white violence, rape, murder, etc. It's increasing. In fact, uh, I was struck by the similarity. Whites in places like Memphis are picking up and moving out to more rural areas. What we have in America is elevation is a big factor. Black people aren't in the mountains. They are in the delta areas where they were basically originally put where they were, you know, working on cotton plantations and things like that. But more and more people, more and more white people are moving to the rural areas. It sounds like you've got the same phenomenon there in South Africa. A little more space to run in America, although you can't run forever, and more people need to realize well, well, that. It's also a fact, for example, if uh, a white guy were to kill a black person and was could be tried in a place like Memphis, He's toast, and I'm sure it's the same situation there in South Africa. That's why you want mm. to get out there. Uh, you, all but of our, course, you're not saying if there was a legitimate murder, you'd want him off just because of that. No, but. no, no, we're not. We wouldn't want that. But on the other hand, I don't think you can uh, a white person under those circumstances could get a fair trial in Memphis, for example, right now, and in other majority black cities. It's uh, 
course, we have a problem among whites. Uh, they say uh, all our skin folk ain't kin folk. Okay, that actually brings up, Keith, I'm glad you said that. That brings up something, a two-part question I want to ask Simon, but I'm going to ask it in two separate parts instead of combining them. And that is, it's not as if all blacks in South Africa are united and together as one, and all whites are united and together as one. Uh, what is the mood of the various non-white factions over there, Simon? Uh, are they at each other's throats, tribally speaking, as you would have imagined before the white man uh, came? Uh, will the ANC retain power? I mean, they're not all just a monolith uh, and living in peace and harmony if it wasn't for those evil white farmers, right? No, absolutely not. They they aren't. They haven't gone to one another's throats yet. But to give you a, a, a good idea of, of how this thing works... Two years ago, we had nationwide, or I beg your pardon, not nationwide, uh, in, in two provinces, we had very widespread riots involving hundreds of thousands of people and attempted invasions of, you know, law-abiding suburbs. And the, the suburban people fired back. The Indians, the, the largest number of Indians from the subcontinent of India in the world, is in the region where I grew up. And that's where was the epicenter of the riots. And the Indians, who are timid people, I mean, they are famously timid, fearful, cowardly people, banded together and they got on the backs of trucks and they hunted the Zulus down. There, there are videos that I'm sure we could never publish. I mean, they're, they're that bad. Of these guys on the backs of trucks, one guy filming and four guys firing into the backs of the Zulus as they run away. They hunted them down like animals. And that's indicative of the underlying kind of uh, mentality. The whites and the Indians are saying, we want to play nicely. We understand BBBEE and the black government and the ANC and the revolution. And we get all of that. But if you come into our suburbs to rape our women, we're going to shoot you in the brain. And that was manifest. It happened that way. And there are at least 150 very explicit videos of that happening two years ago. And how is the government, heard that before. How is the government reacting to that, Simon? The, the government was indignant. How dare you? The poor guy just wanted a piece of action in your house. <laughs> With your wife. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's wicked, Keith. It's absolutely wicked. The stance of, <clears throat> a few days ago, perhaps five days ago, the Minister of Police visited an Indian area and in, in this region, and he said to the people there, you know, the, the tensions between the races were caused by vis the vigilantism of two years ago. And I nearly blew a gasket. I almost had an aneurysm. It was not caused by that. The, the racial animosity was caused by the invasion of the suburbs, by the plundering, the pillaging, and the looting. They twist everything 180 degrees, as, as they do in the USA. You know, I follow the, the narrative in the USA very, very no, Answer, answer that question, Simon, before the break. And we have just seconds remaining. Of course, the entirely owned and operated and controlled American media, really the global media, America especially, since that's what we're talking about. Right? Let's say none of this is happening. That, that, that none of this is happening. It's just racist conspiracy theories to say that there's any sort of black-on-white uh, unrest, uh, black-on-white crime. 
Uh, think about how you want to answer that when we come back. What would you say to the American media, the so-called journalists here in the United States, who say that eh, it's not happening, that the blacks are great, there's no... If there is anything happening, rape, it's a no white murder. fault. Yeah, well, they say it's not happening at all. We'll be right back with the, the wonderful representative for our people in South Africa, Simon Roche. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. Is today the day that Donald Trump becomes the first former president of the United States to face a criminal indictment? We're waiting for word from a grand jury in New York City that's heard a lot of evidence from the prosecutor about the hush money paid to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. Hush money payments in and of themselves are not illegal. But criminal defense attorney Caroline Pelosi adds... In this instance, what is, a, what is a crime is the falsification of that payment, how they document it on Trump Org's uh, business records. If there is an indictment, what's next? Here's attorney Jesse Weber. It seems by all accounts that if he's indicted, he's going to voluntarily surrender. He will surrender himself to the Manhattan DA's office. He will be fingerprinted. There will be a mugshot. All that would probably happen next week. Prosecutors may charge Trump with falsifying records to make the $130,000 payment to Daniels look like a personal expense when the money really came from the Trump campaign treasury. Trump has denied that. The Federal Reserve wraps up its two-day meeting. Board members are deciding whether to raise interest rates again to try to cool inflation. Recent strong job numbers hint at another hike. About the failure of two banks this month could influence the size of that increase. School is out for a second day in Los Angeles as school staffers are striking and teachers are honoring the picket lines. The staffers' union wants a 30% pay raise for its mostly low-income members. The district is offering 23%. No new talks scheduled. The FAA is appealing to airlines to do better in communicating at the airport. Not about whether your flight's delayed, but about planes, operations, and ground crews talking to each other. Just yesterday, a Southwest plane aborted its landing at Hollywood Burbank Airport because a police helicopter was on the active runway. It was the second close call at that airport in less than a month. This is USA News. Progressive protects more than just your home and car. You could save when you bundle your motorcycles, ATVs, boats, and RVs. Doesn't that sound good? Like the sound of the wind in the trees as your RV sits parked in the forest. Is that the call of the majestic owl? And there's the sound of a tree branch crashing into the roof of your RV. Oof, I guess their nest was in that branch. But you know what does sound good? You're covered with Progressive. So bundle all your vehicles in home in one place and save with a multi-policy discount. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Do you have a story to tell? Bring your story to life with audiobooks. Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. From narration, production, and editing to distribution, promotion, and sales, Audiobook Network handles everything. If you have a print book, ebook, or even a manuscript, call Audiobook Network now and get our free audiobook guide. 800 734 1229. 800 734 1229. with Simon Roche. If you want more information about his organization, the organization for which he serves uh, as a premier spokesman traveling the world 
to raise awareness about uh, the situation that white South Africans face. It is uh, St. Landers, S-U-I-D-L-A-N-D-E-R-S dot org. There you can read more about their emergency plan initiative and uh, why you should be supportive of that. Simon, I've got a lot more ground to cover with you, brother, and just uh, a couple of more segments to do it. But I was asking you before, the American media uh, says that uh, this is a conspiracy theory, this is a racist narrative, that black-on-white violence in South Africa, rape, murder, robberies, etc., is practically uh, non-existent. Flat doodle. Yeah. It's, uh, you have an occupational government, and that government is allied very closely to uh, to to the the controllers of your media interests, who <coughs> are allied very closely to your financial interests. The reality, I know this is going to upset many people, and I'll, I'll very briefly allude to something else. I'll digress for a second and come back. You recall me telling you that uh, when I gave the speech at your birthday party in 2019, there was a, a gentleman, a southern gentleman of the most impeccable manners and dear me the most elegant diction just a classy human being if i've ever met one who took exception to me saying at in the speech that i perceived that violence would begin to break out more and more in your country he felt that i was taking a leap and that it was wrong of me and he was quite offended and upset five months later when the portland riots broke out i received numerous messages from people who were in your audience, James, <coughs> to say, all of a sudden, Saitlanders looks like the cleverest kid in the room. <laughs> and the point is, is not that, that we're gurus. We've watched this movie before. What you're going through in, in the USA at the moment, where your, your financial interests, media interests, academic interests, and governmental in, interests are at odds with the, the core behavior, the core expressions of interest of the people on the ground in the USA, when they, <clears throat> when they align with a small minority, this is when things start to fall apart. And I'll, I'll revert now, having digressed, to <clears throat> the, the example, the offensive example that I'm going to give. <clears throat> Donald Trump printed more money than any two four-year single-term presidents in history, adjusted for inflation included. He also printed more money than any uh, two-term presidents in history. The reality is that when even conservatives say the answer is to increase the money supply by 30%, to inflate it, the true definition of inflation is the increase in the money supply. To inflate the money supply by 30% of what it has taken 200 years to reach on top of that. It's taken us 200 years to get to, I think it was 19 million, or trillion dollars, I beg your pardon. Let's jack it up to 27, or it was 28 and something, if I remember correctly. That's when you know that you have a very, very serious problem. Throwing... <clears throat> money at every solution because that's all that the society understands. The, the center cannot hold 
interests are not common, there isn't a core identity, homogeneity is lost, I've got to placate this one and I've got to placate that one, and their interests are perfectly contradictory to one another, therefore I can't spend $100 doing it, I've got to give this one $100 and that one $100, because one set of $100, $100 alone, is not going to accommodate both of their perfectly contradictory interests. And <clears throat> although it's improbable that Joe Biden will be able to match the, the money that uh, Donald Trump printed, the, the, the present uh, budget on the table now is uh, $6.9 trillion. The U.S. federal tax receipts are under $3.5 trillion. So he's going to have to print out of thin air $3.5 trillion on top of the world record-breaking $32 trillion that it is now, just to balance the budget for one year. It's madness. It's vonson. It's absolutely vonson. It's unsustainable. It's mental. It's mental. The interest alone in that $6.9 trillion budget is almost exactly, it's $980 billion something, is almost exactly a trillion Dollars. So of your actual tax receipts under three and a half trillion, you're spending roughly a third, almost exactly a third, not quite, 33% just on paying the interest on the, the inflation that has been created in recent years. That's not sustainable. It's just, it just doesn't work that way. We saw this in South Africa in the 1980s and the 1990s. <clears throat> and worse since then but that's when we began to watch this this movie when our government ostensibly very conservative ostensibly very africana ostensibly trying to protect our interests did the contrary at every turn it was placating it not placating pandering pandering like some queer in a in a public urinal pandering Every single person who put their hand up and said, it's not fair. Why don't I get that? Why does nobody love me? I'm also valid. I'm also a human being. And I have to tell you that when, when you ask the question about uh, you know, where the USA is going, uh, I'm reinterpreting a question you asked earlier. You're going to hell in a handbasket. Not everybody can see it because you haven't seen it before. We were also beguiled. We were, we were completely beguiled. Um, and I, I fear very, very, very greatly for, for the USA over the next 24 to 36 months. I, I think that if you consider the trajectory as, <clears throat> or if you, if you consider it as a kind of a hockey stick graph, I think that you are just about at that point where it's 180 degrees, you know, where it's, it's just upwards. It's just reach for the stars. We'll go mental. We'll do whatever the hell it takes to protect the interests of the craziest parts of our society. And I would say that that ties in very closely to, with, uh, to what's happening in, in Ukraine. You know, the finances, the media denial of all reality. I mean, reality just doesn't exist for the media in the USA. Uh, blowing up Nord Stream 1 and 2. I mean, for pity's sake, uh, this academic revolution in which all of the funds are being invested in social sciences and very little in engineering. It's, it's a, like a kind of a, a death spiral. And many of your listeners will think that that's an exaggeration. Let's see who's right. I give 
36 months. If we hold this conversation in 36 months' time, you will be bored by what I have to say because most of your listeners will have worked it out for themselves by then. Well, I'll tell you, we'll have you on every year, Simon, as we always do, at least once a year. We've been having you on for a long, long time now. Yes, South Africa presents a great case study for anyone who's paying attention on racial realities, on economic realities, on what happens when, well, what happened over there happens. It's uh, As Ben Franklin once said, Keith, and I believe his famous quote, experience keeps a dear school, but a fool will learn and no others. we got just a minute before the break, Keith. That's right. And, uh, of course, the thing to remember is that America and South Africa are almost mirror images of each other. We have 13% of the population that is black. You have about the same amount that is white. Uh, mm. Somehow, though, they are trying to give incredible amounts of money, like San Francisco wants to give $5 million to each black person over there for reparations, plus a $97,000 home. Plus, I, I mean, 97, <laughs> no, ninety-seven thousand dollars a year income. Oh, for their home. Yeah. Plus a new home. All of this. Oh, and a home. home. Yeah, they want them to have eighty-seven uh, percent of the uh, assets, apparently, of the uh, United States of America. <laughs> but it is, uh, you know, I think what you're seeing is that people in areas that do not have very large black populations are finally getting an education on what black people are truly like i think even with this level of inflation if you gave me five million a hundred thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars a year in a house i might be able to make it uh my god well yeah so i you know obviously there are some differences california is truly the land of fruits and nuts <laughs> you laugh to keep from crying sometimes but uh, simon what is the overall morale of white south africaners right now with the regard you know, the grants. Oh, I hear. I think I hear music. Or do I hear a commercial? Nope, it hasn't started yet. I hear something. Is that you over there talking? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> All right, we're going to get get James to a psychiatrist. Yeah, I'm hearing voices now. I've been doing this for too long. Well, Simon, what is the overall mood in terms of white South uh, whites in South Africa, given this current political and economic situation? There's the, there's the music. As soon as I get the question, we've been asking the question. Give Simon a little more time to ponder. Simon, ponder that question, and we'll get it on the other side. We'll repose it to you. One more segment with Simon Roche of St. Landers. Matthew 24, 24 teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth. America is in the Bible. Revelation 21, our form of government came down from heaven. Verse 3, the many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus, quote, my sheep follow me, unquote, and, quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote. John 10, 25 through 27, the beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida, 33421. 
Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. All right, uh, Simon Roche giving a riveting accounting of the situation on the ground in South Africa tonight, this Saturday evening, March the 25th. Did I say 23rd earlier? I, I tell you what, I've been so travel-weary from this telephonic march around the world that we've been doing. We've been hop-scopping, uh, hop-scotching, what's the word? Hop-scotching. <laughs> yeah, the, the globe, and uh, keeping all these time zones uh, straight has... Uh, uh, impaired my ability to keep the days straight, but it's Saturday night, uh, the 25th of March. So, uh, Simon, <clears throat> several questions I want to ask you with only one segment remaining, and then we'll plug all of the contact information uh, one more time. But uh, what is the, as we were saying earlier, not all of the different black subgroups in South Africa are, are in alignment, and uh, even some of them have competing interests with one another. Even from time to time, you'll even find uh, a black in South Africa who who wants the, the whites uh, to retake control of the government. They knew that it was better at that time. But what is the mood of, of whites in regards to the current political and economic situation that you're facing? What's the big threat? Uh, I would say that the mood is about a, a three out of ten predicated largely on the blackouts uh, you can't run a business you can't be employed you can't employ you can't buy you can't sell you can't bank um if you have 11 and a half hours a day blackouts which we are not experiencing today but we've been warned that it's liable to go up to 16 hours a day and then possibly to 24 hours a day in midwinter for three weeks and that's in the absence of a, a grid shutdown. That's just where electricity is reserved. Let me ask you this, only. if I could, too. Um, mm. uh, let me ask you this. Are they giving away this power to black people and making white people pay? Or what is, what is causing this shortage? It's a long, long story, Keith. It, it turns out that the, the uh, national electricity generator has been stumbling largely because of four cartels that have been perpetrating sabotage and then securing the repair work and two of the cartels are headed by uh, uh, government ministers cabinet ministers most senior ministers in in the government so it's just a shambles keith it's an absolute it's a it's the old african story and people are very very frightened by it they're frightened by what they're experiencing at the moment they're frightened by you know, a thousand dollars of meat in their chest freezer, rotting, 
in a three-day period because the, it, you just can't keep up in summer. So there's a lot going on. It's a very elaborate and intricate story that I can't cover in an hour and probably couldn't cover in three hours, uh, Keith. Well, you're talking about ESCOM, if I'm not mistaken, E-S-K-O-M. That is the South African Electricity Public Utility. I mean, what is, what is going on with ESCOM? What's the state of affairs there? Well, it's, it's faltering for the reasons that I just gave Keith. Four enormous cartels, uh, like mafia cartels, that are owned by the government, are they're just plundering it, they're sabotaging it, they're destroying it, they're, they're throwing uh, spanners into the works in, in the most literal terms. Um, they are selling uh, stones, rocks, as coal. And when they get put into the, bo the boiler burners, they explode and they damage the pipes. And so the story goes on and on and on and on. I mean, really, <clears throat> James, there are a million bad things happening in this country at once right now. And people are very, very afraid. Well, a three is, I guess, okay under the circumstances. I mean, under the circumstances, I guess you can get used to anything, Simon. It doesn't mean that you enjoy it, but... Uh anyone's reality after long enough certainly sinks in a three uh, you know for us i think to be over there we'd be looking at zero or maybe less well, than see, that what it sounds like to me is that we look back at the days before the civil rights movement and about how well things ran i'm sure that you have that same nostalgia for the past uh the old sure anti-apartheid government or the old uh, apartheid government for example before the anti-apartheid uh, government took over was obviously far superior and provided, uh, you know, the trains ran on time, everybody had electricity, everybody had running water, things like this. Uh, we know. almost have no trains running at all now, Keith. I, I stayed in a guest house last night in Cape Town and I raced back for this interview this, this morning. Thank you and for doing that, sir. Oh, it's a great, great, great pleasure. It's our pleasure, James. And I couldn't sleep. So between, let's say, 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. this morning before I when I left, <clears throat> I, I, I didn't hear, I heard one train run. And I thought to myself at 5 o'clock this morning, how the hell did no trains run? But that's what's happening in the country. <clears throat> it's, it's just going crazy. The, the train tracks are being sold for scrap metal. The trains are being burned. The, the roads are being set alight with tires. You know, it melts the tar. The <clears throat> buildings in the inner city are being absolutely destroyed. The banking system has experienced an enormous series of attacks by a faction from within our government. So if you take Haiti as a nil, you take Mozambique as a, <clears throat> as a, as a one, Zimbabwe as a two, we being three is pretty bad. You know, Detroit, uh, Chicago, uh, the, I'm talking about the inner cities, places that I've seen with my own eyes. Yeah, they're probably a five on the, on the real scale of things. Three is very, very low. People here are terrified and they are emigrating. Those that are not moving to safer areas are emigrating at record levels. The house sales, I know people personally who have left South Africa house unsold. Just, we'll take a loss. We'll take a knock on it. Let's just get out as quickly as we possible. Huh? Well, Simon, what about the situation? You were talking about the overall disposition of whites, but 
just as has happened here and throughout the entire European world, the media and other institutions of power have taught our people to hate their history, to hate their past, to be ashamed of their ancestors. Of the white population in South Africa, how many people see it as we do, and how many people are actively aiding and abetting their oppressors, saying, you know, it was terrible that we had this uh, horrible apartheid government that kept a first world nation here it's so much better now and how evil our ancestors were is there still a significant white have have they bought that load of rubbish how many of them have yeah i would say that in the late 1990s as many as 85 percent of white people to some degree bought into the narrative i would say that now you have about uh, 20 percent on the far left of the spectrum who believe that the new South Africa rainbow nation is inherently a good thing uh, only uh, as opposed to 85%. I would say that the normie sheeple then go from uh, that 15% probably through to about 60 and then 40% of white people, an enormous number given the, the indoctrination and the propaganda of the past 40 years I would say are at that point that they believe that the conservative Christian Caucasian worldview is daily being proven more and more right and that they are threatened, directly threatened by the new South Africa rainbow nation. And 40% is enormous, as I say, considering the, that's the good. Well, that, that, wait, that, wait. That's a good breakdown of the numbers. I appreciate you being yeah, that detailed. Yeah, that, that's that's really, encouraging. You know, like I said, all our skin folk ain't kin folk, but it seems like more of our kin skin folk are becoming kin folk as they see what the left has wrought in, for example, South Africa. You're seeing it there. America. You're seeing it here. Yeah, that's right. You're seeing more people come around this now than ever before. At least in our, at least in my lifetime, more than ever before. Uh, Simon, let me ask you this. Uh, and, and as we begin to wrap things up, uh, another hour goes by uh, so fast with you. But I, you have sons. Uh, you have a family there. What? Um, precautions do you have to take in your day-to-day life to remain safe in South Africa and what's next for you Simon I, and I know that you do get by I mean you live you you love you you have a, you have a real life see? what future do you see for your children you're goat herding you've got a dog <laughs> you, you do these things mm. but yeah so what future what does the future look like for you your family and, and how do you stay safe over there it's very much like uh, Rhodesia or Zimbabwe in its uh, middle stage before the the land uh, seizures of, uh, I think they began in the year 2000, if I'm not mistaken. I've just gotten, you can probably hear her in the background, a world champion Belgian Malinois puppy. I, I, I traded her for some milch goats. I've got a, a tremendously uh, potent, if you like, little herd. It's a small herd or flock of milch goats. Um, and I've traded her for, for them. She cost me no money. And <clears throat> Zimbabweans famously lived like that in the early 2000s before the, the remnants of the whites left. You could visit Zimbabwe and meet ordinary white folks wa- working as you know, farm, farm supervisors or farm managers, not even farmers, and experience a six-bedroom house that had more accoutrements than you could have in South Africa. So in many ways, our lifestyle continues as it always has. I have a $4,000 Belgian Malinois puppy at my feet 
but my sons have no future whatsoever. One of my sons has about 10 million bees. <coughs> and he's doing very well with the beekeeping. But is there any hope of him ever earning, according to his potential, he's quite a special boy, always has been, uh, a fantastic salary? No, there's no chance of that. Is there, he, in fact, is a good case in point. A year ago, I believe it was February of last year, was driving his mom's car through a quasi-dodgy area. Not really a dodgy area. He was hijacked. And <clears throat> when he got, you know, sort wow. of thrown on the floor out of the car and he walked to the nearest police station, he was then robbed and assaulted of what was the remnants in his, I think he had his phone and his wallet still in his pockets. So hijacked and separately robbed and assaulted in the span of half an hour. That's how we live. That it's awful, awful. Sounds like Memphis. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, joking aside, that that's just a terrible, terrible reality. And God bless you, Simon, and your family. God keep you. God keep you safe. And thank you for being one of the people who, who are standing up and speaking out and putting your name and your face out there. Men like you would solve the problem. Men like you are what we need going forward. And God bless our people everywhere, especially in South Africa tonight. Simon, we love you, and I couldn't respect you more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can, can I have 10 seconds? I'm touring the USA Go. in the yes. summer. And if anybody's interested in hosting one of our quite spectacular presentations that have been so loved and well-received, please send me an email, simon at saitlanders.org. I'm going to email you when we get done with the show tonight. Uh, let's let's talk. Let's. I did not know you were coming back over here. Uh, we'll we'll get something put together. We'll talk to you soon, Simon. We'll be back in South Africa. We'll remain in South Africa. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time.
You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program, and here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back uh, to tonight's live broadcast. James Edwards and Keith Alexander spending uh, an extended amount of time on our final stop during our march around the world. This year's annual installment of that special series ends tonight in South Africa, the only port of call that is getting two full hours dedicated to it, and for good reason, obviously. Uh, the situation there is the, the worthy, dark continent. worthy of the uh, additional coverage. You just heard in the first hour from Simon Roche of Saitlanders, and now joining us from South Africa, very interesting, Jonas Nielsen, the Swedish filmmaker. Now, Jonas was on last year during March Around the World to represent his native Sweden. We had Dan Erickson step in and do that this year. Uh, always good to talk to Dan. You heard him last week right after Philip de Winter and Naka Vandermersch from Belgium. Uh, but tonight, Jonas is in South Africa working on a project. And let's just give you a little bit more information about Jonas before we say hello to him. Jonas Nielsen is a political scientist, an author, and a documentary filmmaker. He holds a bachelor's degree in political science from a university in Sweden. Uh, he left his master's study from the same university to found a media uh, production company in 2018. Jonas is best known for producing the documentary film South Africa, a reverse apartheid in uh, 2018. Folks, this is one of the clearest, sharpest, high-definition, well-done productions I've ever seen from our side of the fence. Uh, This film had a major impact, and uh, he has since followed up with developments in the country in a series of reports, interviews, and documentaries. Uh, And he's going to tell us more about that and then some right now. Joining us live from South Africa, the Swedish uh, filmmaker Jonas Nilsson. Jonas, how are you tonight in South Africa? Thank thank you very much for that uh, introduction. Uh, I'm uh, very well. I'm uh, actually down here with my family and... uh, I almost consider myself to be a semi-resident of, of this country, of this lovely country in, in many regards. Naturally beautiful to be sure. Uh, you've got the mountains, you've got the ocean, and um, you know some other situations there in between, but it is uh, breathtakingly spectacular by the looks of it and by every uh, person that I've known who has been there. Uh, another by their... thing that these people have there that a lot of people don't realize, they have an abundance of natural resources. You know, they have got gold, they've got rare earth minerals, they've got all sorts of things in South Africa. What was it, Jonas, about South Africa that gripped your attention as a filmmaker? I mean, obviously, from Sweden to South Africa, there's not a direct connection. Uh, What was it about the situation there that led you to lend your talents to telling that story? Uh, It it actually goes uh, way back uh, to almost the mid-2000, in 2007, 
uh, are starting to get an awareness about the problem down here within the farmer communities and the farm attacks. So then I uh, volunteered to work with a farm watch and uh, went down here and uh, worked uh, within the farmer community and their uh, uh, safety networks for six months. And uh, I absolutely fell in love with this country and the culture and the people down here. So I stayed in contact over the years. And uh, the more I spoke to people, mostly in Sweden, they had this uh, weird, uh, almost like my introduction of this country in this uh, radio show, that this is a lovely country because that's what people see when they come here for one week, two weeks. And I really felt that the story of the board weren't really told overseas. So um, I, I got fed up with that and uh, took it uh, upon myself to actually go down there and uh, do this uh, very first documentary in 2018. And then I just have uh, carried on. And we have talked with you before about that documentary. Uh, first of all, just tell people where they can find it. Uh, I, I, uh, for, for when I first uh, started with this uh, film series down here in South Africa, I named the series Boer Project. And uh, I recently rebranded to South Africa Insight uh, to get a more uh, ne neutral name as to, as to speech. And, uh, but you can find the documentary on uh, Odyssey uh, if you search for the channel Boer Project. And it's also it got deleted the first time after like 500,000 views on YouTube, but it's been uploaded on different channels there. So the best option is to either go to Odyssey and type in South Africa, reverse apartheid question mark or, or Google it on YouTube. But like anything else, it's a little bit shadow bound. So you probably need to scroll down a little bit to find it. But anybody that's seeking to find it should be able to find it. It's widely uh, distributed, and people should be able to find it without too much trouble. We'll put a link up uh, to it on our website and on our Twitter, where we already have uh, a link to your direct website. Uh, Keith? I've got a question for you, Jonas. Uh, you mentioned Boers. The two groups of white people are the English-descended people and the Boers. What differences do you see between them? What similarities uh, are they on the same page, or are they, uh, you know, different? And in, if they uh, they're are, quite in different. what ways? Uh, uh, they're, they're quite different in uh, actually two ways. And uh, one is that uh, the, old, the conflicts of old, when uh, South Africa was forged into one nation, it was uh, during under British rules where uh, the, the two Boer nations were forced into the British Empire. And uh, during that war to actually subdue the Boers, uh, they put in the concentration camps for the Boers, uh, women and children. And uh, that still holds some quite uh, some uh, bad blood uh, within the Boer community against the British. But uh, what also is the, that, what's uh, the numbers? Uh, which group is larger and uh, socially dominant, whatever? They, uh, they, they are roughly 50% each within the white minority. I don't think it's such a, a big difference uh, between the two in the size, but uh, it was an Afrikaner country uh, when uh, it left the Commonwealth. So 
the Afrikaner have been quite dominant, but uh, everyone speaks English as their second language. So my English is actually getting worse down here because it's very few that actually have <laughs> English as, as their as their first first language. Uh, but the, the, the one interesting thing is that English has been uh, predominantly in Western Cape, which is, which is a coastal area, and they are also uh, more uh, liberal, uh, much more so than the Afrikaner community, which are more inland. So you, you get this uh, interesting uh, aspect of, the, of this, like San Francisco or New York, coastal town like Cape Town, always are very liberal but here in uh, south africa you get another dimension to that, that that the coastal town is not just more liberal than inland but it also has that demographic of british and the inland you have the Afrikaner community so you have a divide in demographic but also in the value system of being a conservative nationalist conservative or to be a western liberal well, how does that compare with Sweden? Is Sweden basically, are, are the whites there 80% liberal, 60% liberal, 50%? Uh, How many are like the Yeah, I, Got about 15 seconds. All right. It's very few in Sweden that are like the Boers. Uh, the, the Swedish uh, right wing are like some of the liberals down here. That's the dispersion. <laughs> what an answer <laughs> what a question hey we'll be right back with the swedish filmmaker jonas nielsen he is live from south africa tonight as we wrap up our march around the world stay tuned find your inner rebel at dixie republic the world's largest confederate store located in traveler's rest south carolina the anti-white anti-christ anti-southern world ends at the asphalt welcome to god's country Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. True Passover versus Easter. The Catholic Church and most denominations follow the Jewish Passover. Here is the Jewish tradition. The Passover takes place 14 days after the new moon, after the equinox. But what does God say? In Isaiah 1 verse 14, Quote, your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. Unquote. Now notice God's word versus Jewish tradition. Quote, In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight is the Lord's Passover. Unquote. That's from Leviticus 23, verse 5. God's year begins on the spring equinox. Passover is always on the fourteenth day of God's year, the fourteenth day after the equinox. The Sunday after the Passover is Resurrection Sunday. None of this is about fertility, which is exactly what Easter is all about. Easter bunny and eggs, fertility rites, are paganism. Okay, I see we got some new ads this week. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. 
Welcome back, uh, James Edwards, Keith Alexander, and uh, Jonas. Uh, Jonas, Nelson. let me say this: I, I'm I have a kind of related situation. I was born in Minnesota, in America, which has a lot of Swedes and a lot of Germans. And I remember my father had army buddies. After World War II, it was hard to find a job, and they got him into an electrician. He had some army buddies from. Um, Minnesota that got him into an electrician's apprenticeship program, and he told me that the people up there, he said, in the county in which I was born, Meeker County, Minnesota, there in the 1950 census, there was one, not two, but one black person in the entire county, he said, but that didn't stop all native Minnesotans from being uh, instinctive experts on race relations that used to lecture him about how badly white Southerners treated blacks. He said he'd just shake his head and roll his eyes. He said it was like people that lived in the desert, presuming to tell people that lived in the jungle about jungle survival techniques. On the other hand, he said that the people up there were, they'd give you the shirt off their back. They were honest. They were hardworking. Everything was that. He said, but they were crazy on race relations. Is that still the way it is in Sweden? And how have, have you been able to bring any reality to their viewpoint by your movies and your efforts in South Africa. I, th I think you actually were spot on describing the Sweden foreign policies over the last uh, five decades, uh, because that was uh, Sweden was the biggest contributor to ANC during apartheid times, uh, and we tried to deliver answers to South Africa for challenges that. Uh, we had no idea of what they contained because Sweden was a very homogeneous during the 60s, uh, the 50s, the 60s, uh, when we, our support was the biggest for, for ANC. And uh, I, I, I don't think actually my, uh, my documentary works and my other media production works have uh, cre created like some in, uh, enlightenment for the Swedish people. I think uh, uh, my work has been important, but not in that sense. I think that reality has catched up with Swedes in a bigger degree because of our mass uh, immigration. And uh, my movies has been part of many other works of uh, help Swedes to articulate what they are feeling within this uh, situation that is uh, pretty roughly w wakes a lot of people up in a very, very short uh, period of time. But, Jonas uh, Nilsson is uh, most uh, well known. Yeah, go ahead, Jonas, finish the thought. No, but the, the, the Swedes in Minnesota is 100% the, the same as the Swedes in Sweden. I, I would love for somebody to do a study on how you could go from being Vikings to being just the most... Cucks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> uh, a seafaring warrior people somehow devolving into uh, to this on, on, a, on a large scale. But uh, yes, uh, that uh, has happened to a lot of them. Uh, Jonas Nilsson, our guest right now, uh, Swedish by birth, uh, but in South Africa right now working. And uh, as we mentioned a moment ago, he is perhaps most well-known for his film South Africa, A Reversed Apartheid, which we encourage you to check out. It was a hit, uh, so to speak, uh, but that's certainly not all Jonas has done. He has since produced the documentary Why is Sweden multicultural in uh, 2021 and then uh, just last year the people in power you never chose before jonas leaves us this evening we will be able to uh, have him plug where you can find all of these uh, works 
He's also an author, having written, among other things, When Migration Becomes Conflict of Political Group Dynamics. Uh, but Jonas, uh, again, you are down in South Africa right now, and of course I appreciate the fact that you, like like we, you do it uh, in a very sharp, uh, different form of media, high-definition video, very professionally produced. I mean, his documentaries, ladies and gentlemen, uh, would be right at home as a Hollywood production. I mean, they're that high quality. So I, I enjoy being able to see that platform being used to interview people like Simon Roche and other whites in South Africa to get their message out because who else is going to do it? But what makes your work very interesting to me, Jonas, on top of that is the fact that here you are as a, as a filmmaker who shares our concerns on these issues, but you also interview people on the street in South Africa, blacks in South Africa. And I think that that's very eye-opening. In fact, you just had a, a new video that was posted uh, just earlier this week about the purported national shutdown of South Africa, where you you go in, and what do you learn when you're talking to blacks on the street there? What is the interaction? What's the dynamic like? And what was going on in this most recent video? Yeah, the, I'm, I'm sure you covered a lot with uh, Simon Rush about uh, like massive uh, challenges that these countries have. And uh, it's a very sure. left-wing extremist uh, communist uh, party called the EFF that uh, wanted to uh, throw a national uh, uh, shutdown of this country uh, this Monday. And uh, it uh, was a major failure, but uh, he, uh, this party is still really big and it's a big threat. And the, the reason why I think it was a failure was because they were they are conceived as a big threat, which they are. But uh, when they talked this uh, big talk uh, before this protest and uh, laying their plans out there, people uh, really get uh, together uh, to prevent them to, to do that. So uh, it actually quite, uh, it, it wasn't uh, their, their weakness of the EFF that uh, made it a failure. It was the strength of the uh, civic society with uh, all the, uh, neighborhood watches uh, coming together as a uh, civil com community and aiding uh, the police and uh, even the armed forces in some places were, were involved to keep, keep, keep it calm. And uh, when it comes to, to the blacks, uh, when I, I actually, you haven't maybe not know, know because this I, I left it uh, outside of this uh, short uh, story I put in, but I, I followed EFF and their representative uh, uh, before this protest and during this protest, I was uh, within an uh, embedded within an EFF group, uh, and uh, I'm uh, busy editing now it now to uh, put it out. And one needs to realize uh, when you're dealing with these people that there's a lot of people here in South Africa within the black community, especially within the black community, that have nothing to lose. Uh, they don't have a job. They uh, they don't have any prospects. They have many, many children, as, as, you, as you know. And uh, what, what do you do? And here is a party that uh, promised them things that is, of course, uh, it's, not it's not possible to fulfill these promises, but uh, it's uh, their grasp of doing something. And when this uh, accumulates and becomes something, it becomes very, very dangerous. And 
uh, especially when it's uh, on such a naive level to, to put it uh, very simple because uh, sometimes it's uh, when you speak to them and their theories and how they want society to, to change and in what way it almost uh, I get to feel that I'm almost speaking to children sometimes yeah. and uh, it makes it very difficult when uh, they outnumber uh, the, 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 the more sane population by nine to one no kidding. I mean, you yeah. said it. And this this thing, this video that you posted earlier this week, uh, it's entitled Fear of Anarchy, South Africa's National Shutdown, and it's on YouTube. And this is, I'm reading now from the description, this exclusive report. Just to give you a little more background, ladies and gentlemen, Jonas is uh, going into the current crisis in South Africa where the economic freedom fighters, the EFF we've been talking about, have called for a national shutdown. So this country, the country obviously grip, uh, grappling with power outages and social unrest and uh, rising fears of anarchy and uh, in this video uh, which is very short you interview locals and explore the implications and the tactics used by the EFF and the potential consequences of escalating violence do you you're going around you're, you're interviewing these people do you ever feel unsafe how do you remain safe um i, I think uh, i i uh, exposed to what, what could maybe be exposing therapy that uh, uh, I, 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 I think I'm very good at reading people and reading uh, the energy in the atmosphere. Uh, so I think I, uh, when I was now within this EFF activist group, I, uh, I, I, it's, it's of course more stressful than being in your own home environment when I follow follow the Boer community, for instance. Uh, well, what but, we do uh, here, uh, Jonas, Jonas, what we do here, we say uh, there's a reason the Lord gave you two ears and one mouth. You're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. That's what you have to do around these people, I guess, to, uh, you know, be safe. Sit there and take notes and be listening. And it's uh, another thing that we say is that, yeah, exactly uh, that. The, the blacks are uh, often in error but never in doubt. Yeah, and it's also like I'm a documentary filmmaker. I'm not there to impose uh, my my opinion on them. I'm there to listen to them, uh, which uh, makes it a little bit easier as well. Well, we have posted this uh, latest video. So this isn't a, a full-length documentary film, as Jonas has wonderfully made before. This is a, a short man-on-the-street uh, video. Uh, it's on YouTube, and we have reposted it at our website, thepoliticalcesspool.org, uh, back on the 22nd. So go and check it out. We'll be right back with Jonas. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. A rogue prosecutor. That's how former President Trump describes Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. It's Bragg who's been leading a grand jury in the investigation of the payments that adult film star Stormy Daniels received and whether that money came from the Trump presidential campaign. Texas Congressman and Trump supporter Chip Roy is also questioning Bragg's motive. The DA in New York is politicizing the justice system to target former President Trump. There's no question. And now NBC News is reporting that grand jury will not meet today, but will be on standby for tomorrow. If he is eventually indicted, many expect Trump to appear next week to be arraigned, including fingerprints and a mugshot. 
Now that the leaders of Russia and China have wrapped up their two-day summit, there's another call in Congress to get tougher on Moscow. This one from Senator Lindsey Graham. China is openly embracing Russia. They're undercutting everything the West is trying to do to isolate Russia. I think now is the time, Mr. Secretary, to label Russia state sponsor terrorism. Graham spoke during testimony by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who said that designation is not the most effective way to hold Russia accountable, and it could have unintended consequences. Looks like another interest rate hike, maybe one quarter of one percent. That's what many analysts expect to hear from Fed Chair Jerome Powell today. Texas Senator Ted Cruz is calling for a constitutional amendment to cap the size of the Supreme Court at nine justices. Right now, the Constitution leaves the size of the court up to Congress. Newsmax and DirecTV have kissed and made up. The satellite TV service says the conservative channel will return to DirecTV's lineup. It had dropped Newsmax when, after years of offering it for free, the channel demanded payment. No word whether payments are part of the new agreement between Newsmax and DirecTV. This is USA News. I'm Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I learned about atrial fibrillation the hard way. My symptoms would come and go. Shortness of breath, fatigue. I kept going. Then I got so lightheaded, I couldn't. My doctor said I have AFib, so I'm about five times more likely to have a stroke. Other symptoms, irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain can come and go, but the risk of stroke stays. If you have symptoms, tell a doctor. Visit notimetowait.com. Sponsored by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-471-7065. 800-471-7065. That's 800-471-7065. Making our final stop uh, during our march around the world in South Africa with Simon Roche and now Jonas Nielsen, uh, the renowned and accomplished filmmaker, I want to play a clip that's been making the rounds, and I want to ask uh, Jonas how prevalent, or if ever, he runs into this sort of sentiment from blacks in South Africa. So this is a woman in uh, South Africa, a black woman in South Africa, who are sharing her thoughts on the current situation. I have not listened to all of this. (laughs) I just got it, Uh, but we'll see what she says. I got the gist of it, though. Let the power go back to the white people. We as black people, we just have to accept that we failed dismally. For 28 years, we were given chance to prove ourselves and we failed dismally. This thing of voting one black person after the other, it won't help us with anything. Let power go back to white people. When white people were governing this country, irrespective of whatever that they were doing. But our parents were working. Kids used to get bursaries to go to universities. Town used to be clean. There was job everywhere. You apply, you get a job. Even if you didn't have qualifications, you could work in hotels, you could work wherever. 
you could work even in the in the in the farms there were farms where people could work black people are a dismal dismal failure they can't govern let the power go back to white people let us just swallow our pride and give this white people power back so that the country can go back to normal we have to accept that we really really respect people who fought for our for for, for the liberation we respect them and we will still gonna respect them but at the end of the day we just have to take this power back to the white people we are tired south africa is a mess everywhere you go it's a mess we are tired we accept we failed black people cannot rule black people cannot govern white people should take over this country so that this country can have dignity back all these things that are happening in our country they will never happen again this problem of foreigners this problem of crime it won't be there anymore white people they don't play they don't play they rule they govern the police white police they don't play with criminals they don't play with uh, uh, undocumented people in the country okay um you know you've heard stories in the past about black farm workers uh, supposedly cheering the return of white farmers uh in in zimbabwe do you run into any of this uh when you're on the street there jonas is this prevalent at all or is it unique and yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's it's actually quite quite funny that that you played played this clip, uh, because uh, when I was out uh, on in Monday with the EFF group, uh, when I was uh, leaving there, it's a black guy that uh, stops me, and uh, like uh, told me on camera, so I'm busy busy editing it for for this uh, next story, and like, hey, listen, it was better during apartheid. During apartheid, everything worked. Okay, so we were not allowed into certain areas. So, and this was an old guy. He was maybe 60 years. So he, he would have been uh, during his working age uh, in apartheid as, uh, as uh, around 30 or 40 or so. And uh, he said pretty much the same thing as this lady said. Uh, and uh, I, I wouldn't say that it's uh, a, a majority of blacks who would say that. But uh, it's definitely a sentiment uh, within the black community that is not uh, too uh, too unusual to, to actually hear. But uh, you can actually so, say also here, Jonas, that in America things are better in the South under segregation than they are. Well, now. you look at Jackson, Mississippi. I mean, some of the things that Jonas was talking about uh, earlier this hour, and Simon Roche as well. I mean, Jackson, Mississippi, the, they can't even keep a water supply. Have you, they, they actually pulled up one of those pipes down there, and it's just disgusting. Uh, a first, you can't have a first world nation with a third world population. Well, anyway, I thought, you know, it takes a lot of courage and character to admit you were wrong. Uh, I don't know if this lady's going to get her wish, but it is interesting to know that, yes, there are some whites over there uh, that hate themselves and are afflicted with this white guilt and this white self-hatred that are that have thrown in uh, with the other. And then there are some honest blacks over there like this woman, and God bless her for that. Now, Jonas, uh, with a few minutes remaining, what is the message of your work uh, about South Africa, which you have dedicated a lot of it to the situation there, uh, that you want people who watch your videos and your documentaries, and you want people in this audience to walk away saying, you know what, I'm glad he did that. I didn't know that before now. That uh, South Africa will come to the Western world uh, if uh, we do nothing. Uh, Swedes, 
uh, ethnical Swedes will be a minority in uh, our own country. And uh, so will uh, the Anglo-Saxons in, uh, in America, which uh, you definitely are in uh, some, some of the states and some of the cities. And uh, this is the life that uh, we will have. We have uh, uh, faucet at hands. We are in hindsight when we look at South Africa of how our situation will be. It will be no difference. So we need to study South Africa and see what can we do as a people to prevent the, the worst case scenarios. It's like a canary in the coal mine. Uh, Jonas, that said, what can we do to support you? Where can we uh, watch more of your work? I know you mentioned uh, the South Africa reversed apartheid you can find on Odyssey and elsewhere. Uh, but uh, you have other documentaries as well. You've got a website. You've got a Twitter. How can people find and support your work? Uh, the best for, within the English world, uh, I got an English uh, newsletter uh, on the South Africa Insight.substack. Uh, dot com uh, and uh, there every time i produce anything that is uh, uh, in english or relevant for south africa for an overseas uh, audience i post it uh, on there and you get the newsletter on uh, directly into your email and also there you can uh, everything i do is uh, donation based and also through south africa insight.substack.com it's uh, possible to support uh, the work i do uh, folks, uh, I have linked at the top of my Twitter account this Saturday evening uh, uh, the link over to Jonas's Twitter account. And there you can find his websites or just go to the top uh, our promo at thepoliticalcessible.org tonight. I've linked over to Jonas's website in Sweden, which uh, they will translate. You click the button, you want to translate it, it translates it into English. And i got a sharp picture there of Jonas um, moderating a very well-known debate. Uh, we don't necessarily have time to get into that. You can read more about it. Uh, there at the website and uh, listen folks we need people our people telling our stories and advancing our issues in the arts i think what we're doing here on radio and what others are doing like jonas uh with with films is just incredible you want it to be done you want the right message yes you want a a, a, a spokesman who can carry the message capably but you also want it to be well done uh, you don't want our message to be conveyed in a vessel that is not worthy and well, another thing, too. And Jonas James, doesn't do that. I mean, his stuff is as good as anything you'll find anywhere by anyone. The big problem is this. We have a saying, all our skinfolk ain't kinfolk. And we need to make more of our skinfolk kinfolk. And that's what Jonas is trying to do. He's trying to enlighten people in Europe and America, white people everywhere, to give up this, you know, false notion of, uh, the promise of liberalism has failed and uh, things... When black people get in charge, things go downhill. That was the common denominator between both uh, Jonas and Simon, is that what's happening in South Africa, which they've seen. I mean, Simon lives there, and Jonas has spent a lot of time professionally there. He's there right now. This can and will and is coming to the Western nations, and uh, we'd better learn from these mistakes and not make the same like ones. Like I said, they're the canary in the coal mine. We better watch very quick, uh, pay attention, because that's where we're headed. Watch Jonas's movies, support his work in any way uh, that you can. And uh, Jonas, a final word to you, my friend, and thank you again for taking time away from your travels to join us and to be our final guest wrapping up our March Around the World series from South Africa. It's uh, really meant a lot to us. Oh, thank you very much. It's a great honor to, to be on the show and also uh, to get this uh, spot as your last guest. Uh,
definitely wrapping it up uh, with you, my friend. And uh, it was great to uh, spend time with you a couple of years ago in Tennessee. Hope to see you again. S- stay safe and stay in touch. Uh, we will certainly talk to you again uh, next March, if not before, but certainly I hope before. And uh, anything we can do to help you out, just let us know. And uh, my best to you and to your family. Be sure to drop by Memphis if you're over here in the state sometime. We'd like to show you around. Uh, you're going to pay for the barbecue? Uh, I'll pay for the barbecue. Oh, there it is. We you might can't even go that. to a nice restaurant. <laughs> that. But we'll take, we'll take him. Uh, we'll let them tell us how South Memphis uh, compares with Soweto. I'll tell you what. That would be, you know, that's <laughs> that. Jonas, that's a project. Go to yeah, Inner City this. Atlanta and Memphis and compare it to South Africa. I think that you may be onto something there, Keith Alexander. Thank you, Jonas. God bless you. Stay safe and keep up the great work. We'll be back right after this. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap on uh, March Around the World. Now, I guess I, <laughs> it would have been nice uh, to wrap up the series with more uplifting news, but we've got to be real here. And uh, the reality of it is there are some nations where our people are doing better than others. I think very inspirational. Perhaps we should have ended it all with uh, with 
Philip and Anka, who uh, are, are having great success with our issues in Belgium. Uh, and, and we've really given you, I think, a wonderful cross-section this year of activists and former and current elected leaders, professors and filmmakers and you name it, uh, former diplomat in Croatia, Tom Sunic. The, the different, the variety, the diversity of the nations that we visited this week, it, it, it was, or rather this month, it was a mixed bag, but I... I did purposefully put South Africa and save South Africa for last for two reasons. Number one, I wanted to spend the most time there because the situation there is the most dire. And number two, I wanted that to leave the lasting impression. Everything we're fighting for, the advances we're making in other parts of the white world, uh, the areas in which we're, we're still struggling, South Africa can show you where it will go if you don't do your part. And you can do your part by supporting this program and supporting any of the wonderful guests and their organizations that have been represented during this, our 2023 March Around the World. And I don't think we've really quit having the March Around the World because our next guest is an American, but he's a globetrotter. He's okay, all so over the place. we are officially done with it in so much as uh, we're not making another stop outside of the country. Uh, but what we're going to be doing in the next hour, just to give you a little preview, Jason Kessler, uh, while we were making our telephonic march around the world or our radio march around the world, uh, he really was doing it. Uh, he went to Peru, and from Peru, he flew to Central and Eastern Europe and visited, uh, oh, my God, at least a half a dozen nations. We'll find out the exact count when Jason joins us. Now, J Jason Kessler, obviously a journalist, uh, independent journalist, also published, uh, works with VDARE and other outlets. But he's going to close this annual special series by sharing with us those observations he made during his own intercontinental travels uh, throughout the month of March. Uh, but as far as different guests from different nations, that we just wrapped that up uh, in the last couple of hours with Simon Roche and Jonas Nilsson uh, live from South Africa. But yes, a little cherry on top, a little twist to end it all. Jason Kessler, who is just back in the United States, uh, he went to from Peru to Romania, and he's going to be with us in the third hour, so he's not coming up this segment, but he'll be coming up in just a moment, just to give you a little preview uh, about that. But, uh, Keith, of all the places, I, I can't ask you this. I'm not going to ask you the question. I'm not going to ask you. The, I, I was going to ask. <laughs> of all the places we visited this month and all the guests, I can't ask you which were your favorites. I can't play favorites. They were all great. Uh, but what would you just say overall uh, now that it's in the book? i tell you what, this is a difficult series to produce. It's a difficult series to produce because of the uh, the time zone differentials and keeping everybody in line and having people that are willing to stay up till midnight, 1, 2, 3 a.m. Uh, in the mornings uh, to, to do these programs live. Uh, but there were a couple of countries that we visited this well, year that we didn't visit last year and a couple of countries we visited last well, year that we didn't go to this we year. Visited. We visited Europe with Tom Sunik. With, well, um, I already named it. England, yeah, Australia, yeah, Canada, yeah, Croatia, and, and Brazil, also, Belgium. We had South America. Yeah, we did. Uh, we had South well, Africa. Yeah, we were on uh, three or four, Australia, three or four different continents. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, is Australia a separate continent? I don't Yes, know. It, it is. is. It is okay. a continent. All right, then. Well, yeah, we've been all around the place. We didn't get anybody from the subcontinent of <laughs> India. We'll try to correct that situation. <laughs> Do we want somebody from the subcontinent of India? Well, I, well, we find out. Or someone from China. I'd like to see what's going on. Apparently... They're going to be in charge of things, and America isn't <laughs> now that they have allied themselves with Russia. Thanks to the uh, crazy machinations of our neocons over here, we've now managed to throw Russia and China together as allies. 
you know, some people never learn. I tell you what, the more they stir it, the more it stinks. Well, in any event, uh, we will get uh, Jason Kessler's take on his world travels and at the top of the third hour, so next segment, about uh, 15, 20 minutes from now. Uh, but overall, in the book, uh, difficult series to produce, but a rewarding series to produce. And I think the difficulty of producing it makes it more rewarding because you have to put a little more effort in. Anything you have to work hard for always seems to just be a little more satisfying. And uh, I just got to thank again all of the people, all of the guests we had on this month. But uh, what, what do you think in retrospect as it, as it stacks well, up to I the brought, other other years in which during which we've done this? What I drew from it is that race is still important. Race used to not be an issue in Europe. It is now. Uh, we see now what the end game looks like uh, regarding racial conflict in South Africa. Uh, it's important that we understand that we're not alone in this, uh, you know, racial conflict. This is what is happening throughout the world. Uh, that's what I've basically drawn from all of these things. And it's, uh, you know, again, all of the problems that we have seem to have the same source. I'm not going to name it, but that's the way it is. And it's, uh, uh, you know, we've got to get to the point where all of our skinfolk, or at least most of them, are kinfolk. People are thinking like us. Because you can't have an, an adversary that thinks as a group when you think as individuals. That's just, uh, that's like taking a, 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 a knife to a gunfight. We've got to be able to, you know, stand up. And th this is a great fault line. This is what the cultural Marxists had in mind. They said that the real dividing line in history or in human society is not, as Marx and Engels thought, economic class. It's not even religion. It's race. And I think this whole month has brought that into focus for me. Yes, I mean, I guess every week, every year, for now going on almost two decades, uh, one year shy of two decades as we sit right now, we've been talking with uh, guests both here and abroad about these issues and uh, some of these uh, eternal and fundamental truths never change. Uh, but this has been um, a fun month. It always is a fun month. I look forward to it. And we'll be transitioning into Confederate History Month next month. So back-to-back -back special series here on TPC, and it's a busy time of year on this program. So busy, in fact, so busy, in fact, that we didn't nearly make mention often enough as we normally do during one of the months we're hosting a quarterly fundraising drive to remind you that uh, this is, in fact, our first quarter fundraising drive. Uh, it's crucial. It's vital. And it ends next week, and uh, we're still just a bit short of reaching our goal, uh, probably because I didn't remind you enough of it. But uh, these appeals make the difference in us being able to meet our operating budget, which is entirely listener-supported, entirely listener-supported. Uh, so if you want to support our work and help us start the year off strong uh, here in uh, still uh, now officially spring, but still the first quarter, uh, checks or money orders can be sent uh, still through the USPS. We have been long since deplatformed from receiving online contributions for years now, uh, but uh, we can still take checks and money orders. And many thanks to everyone who has already given. We couldn't do it without you. You don't make it 20 years in this business, or nearly 20 years, uh, without the support and love of uh, your family of listeners. And uh, we love you, and we're thankful that you um, – are supportive of this work and uh, those who uh, make that contribution are going to get uh, we try to mix it up you know and i think we've done a good job over the years but especially this last year we try to mix up the 
the gifts, the gifts incentives. Uh, for the people who donate $100 or more, we always try to give you something special. Sometimes it's a book. Sometimes it's, uh, we did that uh, photo art last uh, summer, you'll remember, from uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the photo of uh, the European landscape uh, there that was signed. And obviously uh, the special gift package from Shark Hunters, uh, which was just really above and beyond. And sometimes it's books, and this time a DVD. So we got a DVD of my speech at uh, the Countercurrents Conference last fall. So a little movie you can pop in. Sometimes a book, sometimes photos, sometimes, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes a flag, uh, sometimes... Life is like a box of chocolates. We mix you never it up. What you're going to get. We're right? just in a different as far book as every comes time. In. That's right. Uh, so we've got a DVD on offer this month, and uh, it all ends on March 31st. So if you haven't yet shown your support and you're interested or been thinking about it, now's the time. Uh, deadline March 31st. As long as it's postmarked by then, we'll get it in. I'll tell you. Uh, I have been telling you, but I'll tell you again. A new book out you might want to check out, ladies and gentlemen, as we're working through our announcements now uh, before we get to the third and final hour. The Honorable Cause of Free South. We mentioned this at the top of the show. I want to remind you right now, I will be in South Carolina next week for the launch of this book, and some of the other authors will be there uh, free of charge. Refreshments will be on hand, and uh, they'll be signing the book, and uh, we'll be doing a live remote broadcast from the official launch, the hard launch of The Honorable Cause of Free South. Uh, but it has soft-launched already, and it is available for purchase, if you are so inclined, at Amazon.com. And what this book is is a collection of 12 essays written by pro-Southern and pro-Secession activists. It places into context what it means to be Southern and why Southern identity is so important. It also explores secession and how to achieve political and social liberation for the South. This book is intended to inspire both emotion and thought. And the authors, the 12 authors, of which I am one, want the readers to internalize the content and see a free and independent Dixie as the most honorable outcome for a unique people. This was put together by Patrick Martin, who is a contributor at Identity Dixie. He's been on the show a couple of times. He wrote the book um, A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, which uh, we had him on to talk about that just a few months ago. And he went straight from that book into this. And uh, I was asked to contribute, and what I contributed I thought would be just a window dressing. Uh, and, and, and you look at some of the contributing authors, Ann Wilson Smith, who, who also wrote a Charlottesville book, Charlottesville Untold Inside Unite the Right. She's one of the contributing authors. Dr. Michael Hill, who needs no introduction to this audience, is a contributing author. I just thought, well, with all those great writers, uh, what I would uh, contribute would be just mere window dressing. But uh, I was informed last week that they uh, are using it as the opening chapter, which uh, I don't believe I deserve that honor, but I am honored still. And I want you to get the book, folks. This is something, you know, this has been a pillar of TPC. Southern identity has been a pillar uh, of our program since the very beginning. So to get back to that, have it launch uh, to coincide with our Confederate History Month uh, series coming up is very special. So we ask you to support our work through the quarterly fundraising drive. And go to Amazon.com, why don't you? You can go ahead and get the book, hard launching next week, but uh, already available online, The Honorable Cause of Free South. And I think you'll be hearing a lot more about it during uh, next month's special series. But to wrap up this special series, we're going to be talking with Jason Kessler. Speaking of Charlottesville, he's been all around the world, and he's going to tell us all about it next.
Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. Listen to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Well, so throughout the entire month of March, obviously, you know, folks, our march around the world where we've had all of these different people from all of these different nations connecting with this our american radio program to share with us word uh, from their locations and it's been a wonderful series as it always is we're wrapping it up though now in a unique way with a little twist rather than having all of these different leaders and spokesmen and activists from international locations calling into us now we're having an american journalist jason kessler a globetrotter who is going to be telling us about his travels around the world in the flesh. So, yes, while we were doing these interviews this month, Jason was actually traveling in uh, body and spirit and uh, in mind as well uh, to places. I don't even know the full list of them yet, but he's going to tell us all about it. I had a trip with my wife a few years ago uh, to Central and South America. We went to Belize, Honduras, and then Mexico. I think two places in Mexico. And I did a show on that, and it got a tremendous amount of feedback. So since then, um, the audience seemed to like it. So anytime we have somebody that we can connect with that can tell us a first-person accounting as an American of what they're experiencing in these different places, I like to do it. I just thought it would be a fun way to end our march around the world and here to help us do it as the aforementioned Jason Kessler. Jason, how are you tonight? I'm great. Thanks for having me back on. Listen, you were uh, game enough uh, to agree to join – 
us live from Romania a couple of weeks ago when you were in Romania uh, with a pretty stark and stout time difference. But then uh, we sort of mutually agreed on that, hey, let's get you home. Let's have you be the last guest of this special series. And at that point, all of your travels will be done. You can give us a full uh, mosaic of it. It started, though, in Peru. And I, I was talking with Keith earlier. I don't know of anybody who's ever gone to Peru and from Peru gone and toured are there any multiple direct Are there any direct flights from European Peru nations. to Romania? <laughs> yeah, from Peru to Romania. That's a, uh, that, that, that's a heck of a uh, itinerary. Where, tell us, though, quickly, Jason, where were the different places you visited? Uh, all, name them all in order. Well, I didn't go everywhere to the same length of time, but technically speaking, I went to Peru, then I went to um, the Czech Republic, uh, Hungary, Austria, and uh, Romania, and then Germany. Wow. Now that is a trip. I don't know if anybody in the history of travels has made such an itinerary. Well, let me ask you this question. What was the weirdest place you went to? Uh, and then we'll take them in chronological Austria. order. Because Austria was like, I mean, I, I enjoyed every place that I went to except Austria. Maybe it was just because of Vienna, uh, the capital city being uh, a mess, but it was like a, an American city. Just, you know, Africans and Muslims and all kinds of people all over. I had it maybe when I had to leave. Yeah. So it was it was no fun. I guess they're punishing those people for their most uh, uh, famous uh, former uh, resident. <laughs> uh, all right well, well of course it was john king john sobieski of poland who defeated the muslims at the battle of vienna and kept europe from being overtaken from the east by the uh muslims well i'll tell you there was another famous former prince uh who uh gave the muslims the what for and jason went to his castle that's uh vlad dracula uh, but we'll get to that. Let's let's start in chronological order. It started in Peru. So uh, you fly from your home on the east coast to Peru. What do you see? What are the people like? What did you experience? Well, it's very complicated, but, uh, you know, Peru is a beautiful country. The people like dressing very colorfully. Uh, one of the things uh, that is nice about it is as soon as you leave America, pretty much for anywhere, uh, the the constant anti-white propaganda stops. Like people, they're still like white people and revere white people. And the ads actually have like smiling, happy white couples, which is ironic because, you know, there aren't that many white people there. Uh, but uh, I like the capital city, Lima. Um, it's, a, it's a surfing community. Um, but really what the, the, the main thing is, is Cusco. If you only had a few days, you want to go to Cusco. Uh, that's the former capital city of the Incas and Machu Picchu, the great fortress citadel of the Incas is uh, nearby. And, and it's just so majestic. And uh, <clears throat> Cusco has so much mystique, you know, great restaurants, you know, um, alleys just teeming with music and uh, life and and you have different layers too because of course you have the Spanish conquest uh, of the Incas so you also have uh, chapels and and buildings of uh, colonial nature that are old in their own right so lots of beautiful things to see exotic animals like llamas everywhere it's a cool place 
I have shared on this program several times in the past that uh, as a boy, and still to this day, I love reading and uh, watching films and Discovery Channel episodes about the pre-Columbian cultures. I was always fascinated by that. Doesn't mean I wanted to be them, but I just thought it's it's so different uh, and fascinating. And now, of course, uh, throughout uh, Mexico and other places, uh, South America too, I'm sure, they have this LIDAR technology that can strip away the floor's floor, the forest floor, and you can just see all of these still, to this day, undiscovered cities. And when I was down there, I uh, went to, this was in Belize, I went to Altunha, uh, which was a Mayan city, and uh, when I was in eighth grade, we did a history project on Cortez, which I think has to be the point of first contact between Cortez and uh, Montezuma had to be one of the most pivotal turning points in all of history. So, and I played Montezuma in the movie. So I, I am fascinated by this. You went to Machu Picchu. Uh, that that is something. That is a world historical site, and that doesn't even begin to cover it. Yeah, I would highly recommend people try it. It's you know, I mean, it's not that expensive to go to South America as people would think. I mean, my my one flight ticket was like uh, one way ticket was about two hundred dollars and some change, nothing. And uh, the hike isn't that arduous to get to Machu Picchu. Of course, you can go to a, a much higher um, vantage point, which also has some ruins and look down on uh, Machu Picchu, which is much more difficult. But you're not required to do that. Um, and th it's not just Machu Picchu that's there. There's a whole area called the, the Sacred Valley, which is full of uh, historical sites, uh, different uh, Incan cities and um, you can experience the food and the music and uh, everything else that they got going on there, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Jason, this is Keith. I have an instinct or a hunch, and you can tell me that uh, it's right, whether it's right or wrong. I think the Spanish and the English were different types of colonizers. The English came in and actually settled and took over the nation. Uh, or the area that they colonized. On the other hand, the Spanish, I got the sense that basically they wanted to go abroad, make a hat full, and then come back to enjoy it in Spain. And therefore, the former Spanish colonies are much more indigenous uh, in their culture is than um, America and Canada. We'll what touch on that with Jason. Uh, park that question in your mind, Jason, and we'll get the answer when we come back uh, from this break as we wrap up our march around the world with a man who just took a march around the world uh, quite uh, in fact, and uh, we're learning about his travels this hour. Jason Kessler. Our the spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas, like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness, and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com 
Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Folks, anytime we can get a guest on that's one of our regulars to tell us about uh, his travels abroad, I think that makes for an interesting interview. We did that last fall with Mark Weber back in October of last year. Mark had gone on a family vacation to Albania, Montenegro, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and uh, he was on. And that was an interesting uh, broadcast uh, tonight. Uh, we're wrapping up March Around the World with Jason Kessler. Jason, you're, we're talking about your trip to Peru right now before we uh, you take us over to Europe uh, with you but keith was asking about the differences in the styles of colonialization uh, colonization between the english and the uh, spanish i would say one thing though is that the english ran into tens of thousands uh, you know of american indians whereas there were millions of uh, indians in central and south america to deal with uh, so a little bit different there well, from the jump Peru more indigenous in their culture than you know america is not apache but is Peru Inca? Um, in the Cusco area, it is. Um, in the major city, it's much more modernized. People don't wear the traditional clothing. It's very similar to a lot of the other countries that I uh, visited, like Romania. You, you might have an image of the traditional clothing uh, that those folks wear, but really, you know, you see those in the shop windows, but no one's wearing them except up high in the mountains or in the remote villages where it's hard to access and so Cusco isn't that hard to access but uh, it's uh, it's much more indigenous in that area and I will say um, the, the the history of the Spanish and the, the colonialism is a major part of the historical aspect going on there and it's it's way way more complicated discussion than we can possibly do in this uh, time frame because you know you have all this uh, baggage that the left is trying to put onto white people generally over the history of colonialism. And then there's, there's, but there's so many layers to it. There's the layer about the fact that it wasn't just white people conquering each other. It was the, the, the Indian peoples uh, were fighting amongst themselves and conquering one another. And the Inca civilization was a conglomeration of conquered peoples. And then you also have, you know, uh, lots of other, historical details about, you know, some people on our side will take uh, a reactionary position and be like, good, you know, this is a display of how much better white people were at conquering people. But I also think that that's not necessarily getting to the, the to the truth there, because basically they're doing the left 
and anti-whites are doing that to us now and tearing down our Confederate monuments and stuff. It's a very, very complicated discussion. And I'll just wrap it up by saying that I never felt like I was beat over the head with any of those types of conversations by the tour guides or anybody while I was there. That that is how I wanted to end this leg of it because we got a lot of we spent a lot of time in Peru. We, you went to a, a, that whole assortment of European nations. We got to touch on that, but but that you mentioned it earlier. You don't think that the level of anti-white animosity is as prevalent in South America as it is in our own home nations? No, I mean all of the stuff that you experience here is just not there. I mean you don't even really hear rap music there. They they love white people, and there's, like, tons of, like, 80s and 70s music you hear. Everybody's listening to, like, Phil Collins and Rod Stewart and stuff. It's <laughs> like being transported back in time. I could go for that. All right. Well, as you transported across the Atlantic. Now, i got to ask you. Normally, a guy would say, you're sitting down. You're making your travel itinerary. You want to go on a big trip. You either go to, like, a place like Peru or to Europe. But how did you decide when you were sitting down, I want to go to Peru, and then I want to go to Europe on the same trip? That that just seems very unusual and very interesting. Well, it's just a psychological thing that I work very, very hard in my work season. And I had certain things that I specifically wanted to see. And I didn't want to have to wait and book in them on other sides of, you know, my work season. So I wanted to see Machu Picchu and I wanted to see what Eastern Europe was like, specifically the castles of, you know, the historical Dracula, Vlad the Impaler. All right. So you leave Peru. Where do you land? What do you do? So I went to the Czech Republic. Uh, it was just specifically Prague, the capital city. And my mind was blown because I haven't been to Europe uh, since my red pilling process. And I've never been to Eastern Europe. And I, all I've seen from Europe is just stuff, basically propaganda from our side about all the, the real stuff that's going on in certain countries like the Muslim rape gangs. And I, it feels like all of Europe is just as bad as America. But I didn't see anything like that in a country like the Czech Republic. It was pretty much all white people, even in a place like the airport in the capital city, where you would expect there to be the most diversity. The people were just, you know, beautiful, like some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it, it, it's really shocking to, to see how beautiful they were. And <clears throat> everything, the, 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 the plaza in the capital city uh, directs to a beautiful, majestic museum, which looks like a, a palace. And it is the most incredible museum I've ever seen. It's got uh, stuff uh, related to the history of Bohemia, but also natural, uh, natural history and, uh, you know, animals that lived in prehistoric times brought to life in like vivid color with, you know, the most amazing recreations. I was really floored. Um, also a great place to have a uh, you know a meal, have a, a a beer. They they really highlight their taverns there, their ancient taverns as a big tourist attraction. I couldn't recommend it highly enough because you go in there like, and uh, there's one that's medieval, for instance. It's really from medieval times, and you go in there and they they. they play act as if you have transported back in time the the, the food is delicious you know uh, melt off the bone uh, pork ribs uh, mead with a kick 
you know, beer that they brew right there in the, the medieval tavern. And they're doing belly dancing, loop playing, uh, magic tricks. It's really incredible. I love the Czech Republic. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, be sure to follow Jason on Twitter as well, at The Mad Dimension. You can watch some of his extended travelogues. He's given us a condensed version tonight uh, for this particular uh, platform. But uh, you can also follow Jason's work as a journalist at jasonkessler.us, also VDAR and UNS, amongst other places. So, all right, Jason, I, I would love, I have been to Europe, but not in a long time, and I would love to visit that part of Europe, see some of these castles. I mean, these these fairy books, I mean, you know, so many of these villages in Europe look like the fairy tales. I mean, it just doesn't even look like something you would, you would never see it here in Strip Mall, USA. Uh, it looks like it from another, another planet, Keith. Yeah. Could you say this, basically, the less touched by the West, the better, wherever you went? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been to Western Europe before, and it's much more like America in my memory. I, I remember seeing a lot of African migrants and stuff, and I just didn't see that much. You know, I did see some EU propaganda with like a, a, a white woman and a black man touting diversity. But ironically, I just didn't really see that many black people anywhere in Czech, Czech Republic, uh, um, not very many in Hungary. And uh, I don't think I ever saw one in Romania. I must have been terrible to be deprived of that diversity. And I wonder did, over did, there. Did you see Ukrainian refugees anywhere? Um, only um, a gentleman that was staying at a, a hostel that I stayed at. And he, he was just a, a workman. I guess he was uh, on his way to um, maybe the Black Sea, I think, to captain or, or to ride on a boat whatever his job was. I would imagine that there's a, a difference over there as there is here between rural and urban. Uh, going to a place like London, obviously, uh, is a different experience than going. I was in uh, the very small town on the Rhine in Germany some years ago where Martin Luther uh, was tried at the Diet of Worms. And it still looked like, as we mentioned before, that picturesque uh, fairy tale storybook type of setting with the cobblestones and the small small town vibe and the bridge and the uh, the tower with the clock on the bridge and so I, did you see any of that jason uh, did you travel to any of the smaller uh, outlying areas uh, rural areas well uh mostly in romania i dedicated more time to that you know so most of the places i went to were still sort of touristy because um if you go too far outside the tourist areas people aren't going to speak english uh, but yeah. uh, I went to um, Sigisora, for instance, in Romania, which is uh, the oldest fortress city in uh, the world. I, I believe it's the only one that's still occupied by people. And it was the birthplace of uh, Vlad the Impaler. So it's pretty cool. And, yeah, there's, uh, you know, cobblestone streets and, uh, you know, ancient uh, towers in each corner of the city and an amazing clock tower that overlooks this um, humble abode that he was born in. Exactly. And, uh, That's the word I, I was with... looking for. No, I was just going to say, we're, we're coming up on a break. I, 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 I want to come back to uh, Romania. I really want to spend a minute there because that's a, such a fascinating history there. And uh, clock tower, that was the word I was looking for a moment ago. Jason Kessler telling us about his world travels this month. And he'll continue right after this. 
proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. Is today the day that Donald Trump becomes the first former president of the United States to face a criminal indictment? Looks like the answer is no. The grand jury in New York is not meeting today. And jury members have been told to stand by for a possible meeting tomorrow. All this on the case in question, hush money paid to adult film actor Stormy Daniels. Hush money payments in and of themselves are not illegal. But criminal defense attorney Caroline Pelosi adds. In this instance, what is a what is a crime is the falsification of that payment, how they document it on Trump Org's uh, business records. If and when there is an indictment, what's next? Here's attorney Jesse Weber. It seems by all accounts that if he's indicted, he's going to voluntarily surrender he will surrender himself to the Manhattan DA's office. He will be fingerprinted. There will be a mugshot. All that would probably happen next week. It's an active manhunt in Denver for a student who opened fire on two teachers at a high school this morning. The two who were wounded are in serious and critical condition. Across the USA, two Shelby County, Alabama sheriff's deputies were wounded while doing a welfare check. One person is under arrest. No word on the conditions of the deputies. The Federal Reserve wraps up its two-day meeting today. Board members are deciding whether to raise interest rates to try to cool inflation. Recent strong job numbers hint at another hike, but the failure of two banks this month could influence the size of the increase. Many on Wall Street believe the hike will be just one quarter of one percent. Shoe store chain Foot Locker is closing 400 stores around the USA, mostly in malls. But it also says it will open new freestanding so-called concept stores by the end of the year. School is out for a second day in Los Angeles as school staffers are striking and teachers are honoring the picket lines. The union wants a 30% pay raise for its members. The district is offering 23%. No new talks are scheduled. This is USA News. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect of divorce becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years. Contact Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firms online at CordellCordell.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Online at CordellCordell.com. CordellCordell.com. Do you have a story to tell? Bring your story to life with audiobooks. Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. From narration, production, and editing to distribution, promotion, and sales, Audiobook Network handles everything. If you have a print book, ebook, or even a manuscript, call Audiobook Network now and get our free audiobook guide. 800-734-1229. 800-734-1229. Uh, welcome back. Jason Kessler telling us about his travels around the world, uh, to South America and Eastern Europe. Uh, Jason, in which part of the world were Americans? How are you received in, in Peru as compared to Eastern Europe? Uh, I could see perhaps, and this is just me guessing, in Peru, Americans sort of a little more glamorous. Uh, in Eastern Europe, are you received as well? I mean, I, I certainly, you know, as an American, don't feel quite proud about that i identify more as a southerner than an american what what is the what do they do when they come into account with an american in 
places like Romania? Uh, I never experienced anybody that was uh, hostile to me. I mean, I think that their politics there are um, a little bit more uh, to the left, what we would consider. So uh, I did run into a few people like an Australian and a Romanian. The, the thing that they're shocked by is, oh, they can't believe that we allow people to own guns. But uh, I never <laughs> had anybody that was uh, like anti-American. I never saw anybody okay. express anything anti-white. The only place that I really had a negative uh, reception, as I said, was when I went to Austria and I, I commented to two people uh, about like what in the world is going on with your country that where are the Austrian people one was a young woman and she freaked out on me and called me a racist and was like I don't know saying it at the top of her lungs hoping somebody was going to come and punch me or something and then I talked to an older gentleman and he was like yep it's our uh, social support system that they're coming for well, and so, again, as you mentioned, Austria, much more like uh, Western Europe and the United States in that regard. You probably felt more at home there, not in a good way. Uh, but thankfully, you got to see uh, places like Eastern Europe. And I, let, let's talk about um, let's talk about Romania right now, which is just still a land really shrouded in sort of mystery. I mean, not a lot of people know the history of Romania. I mean, certainly we've all heard of Vlad the Impaler, Vlad the uh, Third, Vlad Dracula. You went to his castle and uh, but what's the, what's the way of life there? What's the culture like in Romania compared to some of the other places you visited? Yeah, it's a very conservative culture, even compared to other places in Eastern Europe. It's still very religious, very uh, Christian country. Uh, things still close a, a little bit early in some places. Um, but uh, it, and, and you just really don't experience uh, too much of the uh, of, of the, the same modernity that uh, you do in a lot of places in America, America. Now, that being said, one of the downsides of, you know, not just Romania, but the other countries that I went to is they don't listen to white people music anymore. They all listen to, you know, black music and no guitars. It's all like electronic stuff. So their music sucks. And that's where you kind of get some of the, uh, the American influence. But outside of that, it, it feels like you're just going to, a totally different universe where all of the stuff that you normally are concerned with the propaganda that constantly assaults you it's just not there anymore the history of vlad the impaler people might not know you think of vlad the impaler he's impaling these muslim enemies these hordes that are coming into europe obviously he must have won but he didn't. It was a war of attrition. He fought in exile for some of that. Um, and eventually, I mean, he did. Uh, he, he was killed. Uh, and the Muslims had a foothold in that part of Europe for a lot longer. It just didn't end with him. And it wasn't like. Uh, and I had this interaction with you while you were uh, over there. You were doing a video on Twitter and I commented to it. And I said, you know, would he have been recognized? as one of the not that he wasn't a great christian ruler but would vlad have been recognized in the same breath as charles martel and jan sobieski had he won and had he routed and had he been able to take out the sultan that night at that battle that famous battle um is he known as dracula because he lost and the victors write the history or what's your take on that well as far as the dracula myth i just as i was saying on twitter i don't think that anybody could have overshadowed 
Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was just such a monumental piece of literature in the Western canon and, you know, spread the Romanian vampire myth, you know, throughout the world. Uh, but yeah, certainly, he, certainly there was a moment where uh, Vlad the Impaler could have uh, achieved an even greater victory by taking out the Sultan. But uh, for those who don't know, he, he really accomplished so much. He stopped the Muslims from advancing into Europe. And it was sort of an epic uh, revenge vendetta because his father, uh, you know, Vlad uh, Dracula II, was, uh, you know, executed by the Ottoman Turks, by the Muslims, and they kidnapped Vlad and his brother and took them, you know, uh, south into Turkey. And so uh, they, they whipped and they beat Vlad to try to con uh, convert him to Islam. Uh, one of his brothers, who was a traitor, actually did convert. The other one had his eyes uh, burned out. And so this guy had, you know, a, a huge chip on his shoulder. And what ended up happening is he eventually got free. He not only, before he could even fight the Muslim Turks, he had to reestablish his kingdom because other people had taken it from him. So he uh, engaged in a really vicious and bloody, uh, no-holds-barred battle with the usurpers to his throne, and then began this uh, essentially crusade against uh, the Turks, you know, impaling them in the forest. And uh, there was a moment called uh, the, the Knights Campaign where <clears throat> Vlad tried to sneak into the tent of the uh, Sultan and assassinate him. And that's the moment you were referring to. But uh, by some accounts, um, Vlad was led into the wrong tent by accident. And by other accounts, the Sultan was expecting the raid and, and fled before it could commence. Um, and ultimately, yeah, they did uh, kill uh, Vlad, but so they also killed the Sultan. Just about everybody in that time died a horrible end. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't the outright route uh, of a victory that uh, you saw at Vienna or Tours. But, yes, yeah, make no mistake about it. Just because it didn't end that definitively, they d he did absolutely stymie uh, the advance uh, and do a lot of good uh, through his campaign. And uh, that's just uh, – it was a war of attrition. It was a long, 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 uh, hard uh, battle that they inflicted upon the uh, the Muslims, and anyway, interesting history. If you don't and, know the and history, and what are of what are present day Romanians like? Good question. Yeah, uh, they're good people. They're sweet people. You know, I, one thing that's interesting um, that uh, I can share. People may have heard about gypsies. We don't have gypsies uh, here. Uh, there, they don't have black people. But everybody complains about the gypsies. They're criminals and they're thieves and they're dishonest. In my mind, I, I was picturing, you know, old wives' tales and fables about monkeys' paws and these guys traveling from town to town, fortune tellers. You know what they are? They're Indians. They're actual, actually like low-caste, outcast Indians who huh. uh, were exiled and they marched all the way from India to uh, – <laughs> to Europe. It's pretty incredible. So you see all these Indian guys and they're like, why are there so many Indians? But these are the gypsies. Well, you know, um, what's the name? Uh, uh, Cher was uh, the product <laughs> of a gypsy father and an Arkansas mother. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. Yeah, right. And that was always a theme in her music, you know, if you'll think about it.
Well, you know, I don't think you even know this, Keith, but Jason uh, has a picture of Cher with her latest. Uh, he ain't Sonny Bono, I can tell you that. Okay. <laughs> but that's another thing. We don't want you to look at that, but we do want you to go. We don't even want you to know about that, but we do want you to go to Jason's Twitter at the Mad Dimension because there, if you scroll back uh, throughout the month of March, uh, you will find uh, numerous pictures and videos of him live on the scenes at some of these places he's describing. It's wonderful to ha have him paint this verbal picture tonight on the radio with us, but it's also something else to actually see it, to have him uh, show you the pictures as he was walking through uh, these castles and these different places uh, around the world. And uh, they, they actually do sort of lean into the, to the, the Dracula myth, uh, correct, in Romania? They kind of play into the Hollywood Dracula a little bit. Yeah, some of it's a little silly. Like if you go to his actual uh, birth home, like I, I totally recommend going there, but they have sort of over commercialized it. Like there's uh, a lot of tacky, um, you know, Nosferatu looking uh, merchandise outside. And then if you go in, uh, they, they offer you to go into Dracula's room. And I'm thinking, oh, well, this is going to be a, a historical setting and we're going to see what it was like to be born in his time and but it's like spooky mu music and red lights and bats <laughs> and a guy, a guy dressed up in a vampire suit saying boo <laughs> oh come on well i mean what do you gotta do i guess you gotta give the people what they want right keith yeah. <laughs> anyway uh but no he was certainly vlad the impaler hero for our people jason Absolutely. I mean, a really uh, unheralded hero for our people. I mean, who knows what Europe would be like without him. There would be a, a whole lot more Muslims, that's for sure. He's like Dr. Pepper, so misunderstood. <laughs> We're going to take one more break. I am really enjoying wrapping up March Around the World this way. We're going to touch uh, <laughs> on with Jason. We're going to talk with Jason and have him touch on the countries we haven't mentioned yet. Stay tuned. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Hi, TPC family. This is your host, James Edwards. Our friends at American Free Press have a special offer for listeners of this radio program. Subscribe to American Free Press today using coupon code TPC for half off the regular price. AFP is America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. 
Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues from an America First perspective. Subscribe today for one year at just $29. That's half off the regular price. And receive a free copy of AFP's recently published report on George Soros, a $15 value. Visit AmericanFreePress.net today, coupon code TPC. Subscribe now at AmericanFreePress.net, coupon code TPC. Welcome back. One more segment with Jason Kessler. One more segment in March Around the World. I want to thank again one more time our guests this month from England, Australia, Canada, Croatia, Brazil, Belgium, Sweden, and uh, tonight South Africa. Jason Kessler wrapping it all up with a twist, talking about his travels as an American to all of these different places. We talked a little bit about Peru. We've talked a little bit about Romania. Uh, Jason, what haven't we covered that you'd like to share with the audience? Give us the, the total best and worst of your travel. I don't get it, you know, worst is, is I'm sure there wasn't anything that was unbearably bad, but the best and the worst. Well, I was only in Germany um, unexpectedly because of a layover, and I, I had enough time to spend a night in Frankfurt. So I can't really say too much about it with just one night, other than it was not nearly as bad as I thought. I was expecting Germany to be like what I was describing in Austria, and based on what I saw, I just saw a lot of German people, and uh, and it was cool. So I'm I'm totally planning to go back there when I have some time. But the one that I spent uh, more uh, time with was in Hungary. I went to Budapest and uh, Budapest is really cool. Uh, I, I would totally recommend that. Uh, it feels like it's at the very edge of the European world. Like by that, I mean, it feels like it, it, it was just in constant conflict. So when you go to the Buddha Castle, which is really the, the main highlight of uh, Budapest. It's the, the castle of the uh, Hungarian kings. It's just been controlled by so many different people. The country has gone from being uh, pagan to uh, Christian to being conquered by the, the Turks and becoming Muslim. Uh, it was uh, a communist country. Then it was a fascist country. Then it was uh, communist again. Uh, and now it's whatever, you know, Hungary is today, sort of a, a neoliberal country. Uh, but <clears throat> the Buddha castle overlooks the whole city and it's, it, it's got an incredible history there. It was the, uh, the site of the last stand of the, the Wehrmacht during World War II. And it looks like that. It's just got like awesome, impressive, like eagles and griffins and, uh, many other statues, but there's also like a lot of um, brokenness and bullet holes and stuff like that from the conflict, you know, from the bombs and everything else that was hitting that castle during World War II. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's it's a really majestic spot, and you you learn about just all of the turnover that was going on in Hungary and the fact that there still is a Hungarian people that are white with all those conquerors coming through is a real testament to the hardiness of those folks. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, talking about the balkanization or an eventual breaking up of the United States as we know it, uh, 
is very alien to our people, but in Europe, that was just a way of life for centuries. I mean, you never knew what the borders and boundaries and, and rulers and governments were going to be. We really don't realize yeah, absolutely. how blessed we and are they had, in the uh, West. a totally and... different culture in the, those places than we did. A lot of those countries that were behind the uh, Iron Curtain during communism were totally cut off from American culture. And that's one of the things that's great. And the, the Buddha castle was showing you like the toys and how they viewed themselves, you know, like uh, in America, we had like GI Joe in their time, you know, they had like the, the Italians and, you know, the German leaders because, you know, uh, Hungary was uh, part of, you know, the Axis during World War II. And then, you know, d during uh, <clears throat> communism, they had like knockoff versions of a lot of the stuff that Americans had, you know, like cowboys and Indians and stuff. It's really, really cool to, to see how uh, a, a culture developed in total isolation from America. You know, I think we don't realize how blessed we are to be in the Western Hemisphere, protected by two large moats called the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean. Uh, there was no need for us to be involved in any wars. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a shame that we did get involved in those wars because we complicated European history in bad ways, I think. What do you think? Uh, yeah, but uh, maybe those people had the last laugh because my impression was that, you know, there's still something that they can save of their historical lands there. You know, they're ancient people are still the super majority in these countries and then as soon as you come back to the united states it's like you know you don't see like a, a, a beautiful um german person at the airport or a beautiful person from the netherlands or something you see like a sassy latina and african and it, it, it's a mess you, uh, immediately you're assaulted <laughs> by political propaganda here we're, we're a uh, an occupied nation here. Yeah, well, and you, Keith, you always call it the, the bar scene in Star Wars. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you right, go yeah. to any of our international airports. But, uh, hey, Jason, of course, Victor Orban over there, you know, we, we haven't given nearly as, as much time to Hungary as, as perhaps we should. We're, we're, we're doing that right now. But Victor Orban, uh, the, did you say that it's, you consider it to be a ne neoliberal uh, type of a situation in, in Hungary now? Did I hear you correct? Well, I don't mean it as an insult, but yeah, I mean, none of these world leaders anywhere are really out of keeping with the, the world order. You look at how Trump is just a minor deviation from uh, what the Democrats would want, and they, they're they going scorched earth on him. I think it's a similar thing with Orban. I think that he's a good leader, you know, and he has good values, but no, no leaders are going to be totally um, disconnected from from the, the others and the globalist push that's going on. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I certainly, some of the things he says would be right at home on this program or uh, with anything that you've written or done. But uh, at the same time, I guess if, if he was too much of a threat, they would have taken him out by now. Something to consider, although but generally I, I certainly have a favorable opinion of Orban and the type of government they have there with regards and to what, what protecting the, Hung the Hungarian border, et cetera. What do the Hungarian people think about Orban? Uh, I mean, they seem to love him, but, you know, I'm, I didn't really spend a lot of time uh, speaking to folks about Orban, but I will say uh, this is that if you want to experience what it would be like to live in an ethno state, a lot of these places like Romania and Hungary are very much like that, whether it's 
uh, through concerted policies or not. I'm not an expert on that. But for instance, here's something that's, that your uh, listeners would probably find interesting. When I was in uh, Sigisora in Romania, the home of uh, or the birthplace of Vlad the Impaler, like I said, I didn't see any black people. I didn't see any Latinos. I didn't see any non-white people. And I, I looked it up because a lot of times you notice there's like a Jewish district in these cities. So I'm like, where's the synagogue? There's a synagogue there. But then no, there's no Jews to go to it. There's like articles about the last the death of the last Jew in Siggy Shore, not by any untoward means, he just died of old age, but there, there's none there. So you could literally go someplace where it's nothing but Caucasian Christians. Now that's something. I mean, what was that like? If you, let me ask you this question. I, I, well, this, I'll ask you that too. What was that like to be in a place like that? You had to think that this couldn't have been it possible, exists. a dream. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really was because I, I had no idea there was a place that existed like what all of our um, activists talk about online. You know, I just thought that Europe was a total waste, just like America seems to be. But no, it's not. And it's just a sigh of relief. You know, you can relax. And uh, you sure the, the, the problem is those people don't know the threat that is looming over their shoulder because, you know, of course, uh, there are many people who are going to want to do to those countries what they've done to America when uh, when they feel like we've had enough. Uh, There's plenty of, so non, plenty of non-whites available, plenty of non-whites. The population yeah, is the booming, want, and they're to ready, to, ready like to go there. Jason, which, which of the – if you had to pick one city, one city out of the cities you visited where you spend the rest of your life – just now, I'm, I'm, you could pick a city that you've never been to before, but just for the purposes of, of this particular trip, which one would you say, that's where I'd live if I had to live in any of the places I just visited? Prague. Prague was just – pure magic you know to you know like i said to go in those taverns and the food so incredible like you're riding around on a the public transportation a bus or something and you're just maybe get starting to get bored then you look out the window and at the bus stop at like 2 a.m is the most beautiful woman you've ever laid eyes on it almost hurts she's so beautiful and there's so many like that and uh yeah, I couldn't say enough about it. it, it like I said, color and mystery, and uh, there's like a, a, a steampunk-looking clock in the center of town. Uh, you get fresh ham, um, delicious beer. Uh, I mean, there's there's really nothing like it. I could take any person, you know, for a night in Prague and just blow their mind instantly. If, that, if I had one place to go to blow somebody's mind, I'd take them there. Well, you know it. Uh, Jason, it seems like there's a great advantage to being backward. Uh, Eastern Europe is more European than any place in the West, and they supposedly were behind the times. And I think that that's, you know, for example, I realized a while back that the 60s didn't happen in Memphis until the 70s. You know, basically everything that was happening in California in the 60s was happening uh, here in the uh, – uh, you know, 70. So, you know, uh, and that more or less goes with the idea of, do you really think the the past was better than the, the present in Europe, in America, anywhere? What's your oh, I think that's a no-brainer. That? Jason, we got one minute left. Yeah, I mean, I, I would much rather be in some uh, quote-unquote regressive or retro 
culture, which feels like going back into the 80s than existing now. And I, I, I won't sugarcoat the fact that there are some things that are going to be a little wild and hairy for people who are used to being in constant, uh, you know, American conveniences all the time. Like they've still got Soviet era trains going uh, in certain parts of Romania and they have no pl plumbing system. It's just a hole going out onto the tracks. <laughs> so there, there's some pretty wild stuff going on there. None of the outlets work. You want to plug in your phone, good luck. Nothing works. But I would much rather have that and not be uh, told to hate myself and be invaded by all these people who are, you know, destroying everything I ever loved. Jason, thank you so much for this report. Thank you so much for ending this special series this way. I really enjoyed it. Riveting for me to listen to uh, as a friend and as a host. And I thank you for giving us the time tonight as we wrap up March Around the World. JasonKessler.us at Twitter at The Mad Dimension. You can link over to him uh, at the top of our Twitter page tonight, this Saturday evening. And, uh, Jason, we will talk to you again soon. Confederate History Month. Starts next week, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned for that as another special series kicks into high gear. For Jason Kessler, for Jonas Nielsen, for Simon Roche, and all of our March Around the World guests, I'm James Edwards for Keith Alexander, our staff and crew. Good night, everybody. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.